You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Bill Hall. For more on Bill, you can check out BillHallBowling.com. Bill, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, I appreciate you guys giving me a call and uh, getting on the show. Well, it's been a while since we had you on, Bill, and TriGrip has been taking sweeping the nation, I guess you could say, uh, from east to west. And I wanted to get you back on because the last time we had talked to Norm Duke, which was in September, Norm had said he was thinking of trying this. So now we've we've kind of we've taken it, and, and the World Series has gone on and everything. And ha- have you had any pros? And has Norm been out by you to try this drilling method? Well, uh, Norm hasn't tried it. I mean, I sent it out to him, but uh, I understand this situation. He's only got a he only got it out uh, a few weeks before the start of the World Series, and with every, the pressure of you got to make everything in one week, basically. And uh, having to make all the grip grip changes and everything like that, he said he was going to just wait until he got home and had more time. I have a question for you about the uh, the number of pro shops that have signed on uh, to be a, tri- a tri-grip charter member. Uh, how many pro shops do you have on board right now? We have over 100, and we're now starting to reach into uh, United Kingdom. Actually, we just got done... Uh, we had five pro shops. I believe it's five pro shops in Germany pick it up. We have had Slovenia pick it up. Uh, we had United Arab Emirates pick it up. So we're starting to, we're really starting to see the uh, welcoming of the TriGrip. Well, one of the questions I have regarding TriGrip, and you know, I can only speak through my pro shop, and I've had current count right now is 83 customers since September when I got it come in and try it and uh, of the 83 72 confirmed believers and uh, of those 83 customers who've tried it I have had some that we've made some tweaks to the pitches in that you know a little bit less reverse pitch here and there on fingers and thumb and even some who've preferred their standard finger pitches yet they really like the offset thumb and adjusted lateral pitches on the thumb have you found that with any of your cases oh yeah i mean you what's on the trigrip video is basically an outline of what i tested now that again is, is a starting point 
I still try and encourage people to, you know, use your experience, use your knowledge, use the construction of the hand that's in front of you to make any form of an adjustment that you need to make. That's why I'm more comfortable with uh, pro shop operators handling it, even though I do get some individuals, but usually the individuals don't have quite the experience that a pro shop operator does. So I, I, I encourage it more towards pro shops. Obviously, anybody that wants to try it, they're more than welcome to. But, you know, just like any type of uh, grip layout, you're going to have to have a little experience and you're going to have to have the knowledge to make the key adjustment. Right. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the word layouts, too, because that's probably the only, let's say, uh, stumbling block we've had at times. Uh, we have a lot of customers who prefer dual angle terminology and they have a, a good working understanding of what drill angles do as well as the pin distance and the valve angle. Is there an easier way to convert tri-grip drillings to dual angle drilling since we're not using the, the T-grip drilling formula? Um, actually, there is. You move the pin 5 sixteenths of an inch further towards the negative axis point, and you move the extra hole 5 sixteenths further towards the positive axis point. And does that work in all cases, regardless of span length or offset amount? I, I would say with, you would be within an eighth of an inch all the way around. Okay, so, so why don't you repeat that one more time? The pin goes 5 sixteenths toward the left negative the axis. Negative axis. Right? Correct. Uh, and the extra hole is 5 sixteenths of an inch further toward the positive axis point. I had Chris Warren drill up two balls for me with the tri-grip because I knew we were going to be getting you on. And I wanted to try it. You know, we had you on, and it kind of had me thinking. And I said, you know what, we, I should try this. And I, I can't believe just how much, how much better the ball feels off my hand, how much cleaner it seems like I'm getting out of the ball. And I guess I think it's something that bowlers, and I've had people on Facebook and that we've been talking to, and they, they say they're going to try it. How, how is the best way that you suggest someone try this for the first time? Well, obviously, the best way is to take a ball that you know that you're not using anymore and have it plugged up, have it, and try it out with uh, what's basically recommended, or you know the what the adjustments are by your pro shop operator. That way, you're not making a huge investment. You're not wasting. You're not using the bowling ball anyways, and it's the fastest way to find out what adjustments you might even need after drilling the first one. Uh, I've had it to where I've had to adjust it more than once, but on average, by the second time I have it, have their hand in it, we figured it all out, and they're very comfortable with it. So for me, what I've noticed is it's a, like we did that. We did exactly what you were saying. We took two balls that I haven't really been throwing a lot in league play for the first 10 weeks, and now I find myself wanting to throw them, even though I, I shouldn't be throwing them, I guess, because you know the shot's not right for that ball because they're very conditional bowling balls. So I think for me, it's kind of one of those things where I'm going to be slowly you know, switching my stuff over to this. But I, I just think, really, it's something everyone should try just so that you can say you've tried it. Now, how has reaction been with you with switching bowlers over? Are they doing it slow and gradual, or is it where you get people coming in and saying, okay, here are my six bowling balls, switch them over right now? You know, uh, we get about a mix. There's about 50% of them that will drop off four to six balls at whack. And then there's the others that, you know, they'll do maybe one or two balls a month. And they'll slowly start switching their stuff over. Uh, but, you know, it really depends on somebody's financial situation, what they feel best at. Are they in the midst of tournament play? 
you know, do they have any important tournaments coming up, stuff like that. So it all, you know, really is very individual. And and one thing we found, Bill, at our pro shop is it does encourage new ball sales. Um, you know, they get that new feel and, and fresh outlook toward the game, let's say, a, a kind of a renewed vigor, and it kind of makes bowlers a little more excited about the game. Uh, but let, let's switch gears here a little bit and talk more about the fundamentals of tri-grip. Now, you know as well as I do, offsets have been around for decades, from collier drillings to full offsets. How exactly do you develop your style of drilling tri-grip? Well, actually, I did it basically looking up uh, kinesiology. That's my passion in my in my free time. Uh, kinesiology is basically the structure of the muscles in accordance to the structure of the bones and how they support each other and what their mobilities are, their strongest leverage points and stuff like that. So basically, it was a lot of research in, into a medical field that, you know, I'm not a, in any way a doctor or a professor of kinesiology. But uh, I've certainly done my research, and I can do a lot of things and actually show people more about their hand when they're with me in, in front of me. And when I'm able to show it to them and show them where their leverages come from and how we can actually get those leverages to work and with less effort, less strain, and more result, um, they're, they're more than eager and more than satisfied with what we're doing. So, Bill, want to... Go ahead, Tim. Well, the question, the follow-up question I had is, uh, since this has been, has been around for, what, has it been a year and a half, two years now, Bill? It's been around for just about a year. Oh, it, seem, it seems longer, but, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. But have you found any hand structure or any type of uh, release style, possibly, that isn't suited for tri-grip? Um, it seems to be going individual and basically a lot of it comes down to what the player's hand motion is. But I can tell you the player that I've kind of shied from with doing a tri-grip is a full roller. Um, although I've done a few, it seems to be more of a mixed bag. Either the player that throws the full roller really likes it or the player that throws the, throws the full roller really doesn't like it there doesn't seem to be a happy medium because of the, their type of hand motion. Again, joining us on the Above180.com podcast is Bill Hall. For more on Billy, check out BillHallBowling.com. And by all means, tell your pro shop operator to pay for, go to Billy's website. You can go right on there. It's on the right-hand side to get the Tri-Grip instructional video, and that'll help them so they're uh, an authorized user because I know, Bill, that was one of the issues and concerns that you had had a, was people getting – getting a hold of this and trying just kind of things on their own, which you want this to be 100% on the on the up and up and have them getting it from you so they know what they're doing, basically, and, and they can be trusted. Um, want to talk about Blended 10, because we had talked about that a little bit. You had just kind of came on and mentioned a few things, what you could mention. Talk about the progress of Blend 10. Uh, well, we've actually finished, wrapped up the first ball. We're waiting for testing on that we'll do on the second ball, which will be in... Um, I believe the first week of January. Uh, we've also just put in our order for uh, some polyester balls because we want people to be able to go to a tournament and throw, you know, even if they're shooting spares, we want them to be able to throw our product. So we're slowly moving along, and basically we're, we've come up with uh, 
something that I think um, people will be very excited about. Uh, we I've taken a formula and added some things that I know players would look for. You know, there's not every player wants to be the ball to go 50 feet down the lane and jump dead left. Uh, so we basically are making two lines of bowling balls. Uh, one is going to be more for the player that, you know, have you been caught in between a lot lately? When you try a different ball, does it skid out on you? Does it overreact on the back? So the first one of them that we designed is basically we took uh, an old Columbia core or basically an old 900 global core, and I tweaked that a little bit, and then I put my cover stock on it with the additives that I wanted. And basically to we made our version of uh, – one of the most successful urethane balls ever, which was the Blue Hammer, but with, with a reactive resin cover stock. And we've made that type of shape because there's still a lot of players that are looking for that shape. And, and can you share with us any of the you know technical information that goes with this ball, such as you know RG, differential, is it symmetric or asymmetric, or anything about the, the cover? The first ball is going to be basically a symmetric ball. And the range of RG is uh, 2.53, and the differential is 0.028. So kind of a lower flaring, medium RG ball. And cover stock will come with a, a duller finish, such as, say, between two and 4,000? No, we're going to have it come out with a 1,500 polish. Uh, and when you look at it, it's um, it goes a little bit way back in memory, but uh, when you had the bleeder yellow dot, that's the darker bleeder yellow dot. That's basically the color of it. And and that's ball number one, correct? That is ball number one. The other one is uh, that we're working on is completely my design, cover stock and all. And we're anxiously awaiting for the test. Uh, I tested it many years ago, but again, you know, a lot of things have changed. So. I know what it did many years ago, and it's one that I always kept under wrap. I know what it did then, so I'm just waiting to see what it does with all the modifications that bowling has gone through. Right, and by now you're probably aware, or if not, you're going to be aware shortly, but I retired from the Bowler's Journal Ball Reviewing and Testing, and they chose Vernon Peterson to be my successor. Uh, has Vernon received uh, any of these balls yet? We actually have only tested with the players that um, that I hold close, that I know would um, basically keep things quiet. Because anytime you're doing a test, you want to try and keep everything as simplistic as possible and as quiet as possible. Anything you do on a computer or you design can be it can look great on the computer, but once you get it on the lane, it can be, have a, be a totally different animal. So we've kept everything very quiet uh, up until this point that now I can tell you the first ball has been confirmed. This is the one we're going to make. This is what we're going to do on one side. And on the other side, we're going to make a more modern version of ball reaction that people are looking for where it's pretty aggressive on the back. You know, we're trying to satisfy the one thing that I see right now is, you know, there's a good amount of bowling balls on the more modern player. Uh, although we feel like there's something missing. So that's one of the reasons that we're building two different lines, but we are going to amp up a ball for the modern player. But you know what? The player that's been struggling the most 
is the player that can't throw it 100 miles an hour and rip the cover off of it. So we that's one of the reasons that we're keeping two separate lines. One of them is called OSW, and that OSW is simply understood as old school works, meaning just because all the bowling balls have changed doesn't mean the things that worked before have gone away. It just means that that's what the market and what the manufacturers have put on the market. But that doesn't fit everybody. That's why we're fitting in another line, which is called NST, which is basically new school technology, so that we can satisfy those that have been searching for that bowling ball that they've been struggling with uh, and try and fill that void for them. And on the other side, we're trying to make sure that we get the modern player what we think they need and what I hear that they want, but just under a different, uh, different type of reaction. Very interesting stuff, Bill. We're going to have to keep our eyes open for that. Bill, I want to finish up with a few coaching questions. As everyone knows, you you did some coaching and you still do coaching. But one of the things that got a lot of play was an article that was put up by Ted Thompson from Kegel. And it talked about how oil is depleted and moves on the lane from game to game. And I, I wanted you to maybe come on because this is being really enforced to me even more and more about how who you follow pays so much attention and where oil moves and how oil just goes, you know, where it goes and how it moves. So can you kind of talk about that? I know this was there's a lot of graphs, and, and we're going to have a link to the article from uh, Mr. Thompson here in the podcast. But can you just kind of talk about how important it is that people, whether you're in league, whether you're at the USBC, how much you pay attention to who you're following, and then even what the people that you're bowling with, what they're throwing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, you, you're, when you're dealing with something so sensitive as oil, and when you're dealing with something so sensitive as a lane surface, uh, especially in today's time, I mean, a lot of those lane beds, even though they sound solid, they vibrate quite a bit because a lot of places don't maintain them. Synthetics were meant to be put on the lane for approximately three to five years. Uh, there's most of the bowling centers that I know of that their lane surfaces have been down for more than 14 years. So you're dealing with sensitivity with that. You're dealing with sensitivity of oil, which can be affected by the ball paths, what someone else's ball surface is doing, the temperature outside. I mean, I know people think that that's a cop-out, but actually it's very, very accurate information. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to see that, you know, when people get on a lane, and especially when I coached overseas, uh, we would have our national team. I would make sure that, you know what, you're not going to line up. You get no, no credit for striking in practice. So I would always get, make sure that they lined up either further right of where they were going to be to start off with, but with a more high friction ball to try and open up a little bit of a track area, or I'd have them for a little further left, you know, with a, a very low friction ball because we had too much friction on the outside. And we would do just try and push that oil down there to try and calm down that surface or that ball reaction. So, you know, you see this all the time. You see people in league, the first thing they're doing is, uh, they step in that left ditch and they throw it dead right. And if it doesn't hook, they go grab a piece of crust or a ball that looks like a snowball. Well, that basically is dividing an oil pattern in half because of the projection of the ball going from left to right. So what you can think about is if you lay the ball down, just as an example, on the left gutter and went straight across with something extremely dull, 
it would leave a track because every bowling ball picks up oil. So you're cutting the pattern in half, and if you're not very accurate, you're cutting it even more in half and opening up a track in the middle of the lane. When people are going to look for holds, it's not going to be there because you've already removed the oil. Even when it comes down to a simple thing, such as shooting spares, you know, you see some people, how do I want to put this, they mix up, they use too many different surfaces, and I see it all the time. Some people use polyester, some people use uh, a a sanded ball so that uh, urethane so it hooks and dies out. If you're going to work as a team and you're going to get everything done, the most important thing to do is to bypass that practice and use it for the proper things, such as warming up. As again, you're not going to get credit for striking out the gate. So it, plus it's much more informative if you try and play a straighter line and start up warming up the proper way so that when by the time you reach your full uh, gate, so to speak, you're going to be much more accurate, much more credible with your shot making, and you know you'll have a lot more knowledge of what's actually going on on the land. Great stuff, Billy. Want to wrap with one final question for both you and Joe. Now we all know we got Christmas time coming up here, got New Year's, but I'm going to ask Bill. I'm going to ask you this first because you're a pro shop guy, Joe. You've been in the industry as well for over 40 years. Uh, Bill, you first. So, what is the the gift? that someone has brought into your pro shop that is most memorable? A gift, um, believe it or not, it was from a gentleman by the name of Rocky Lopes. And this was when I was drilling bowling balls on tour. Uh, He was an older gentleman. And he had never shot a 300 game. And I worked with him on the lanes while we were on tour just on an afternoon. And then I went in and I fitted him with a bowling ball. Uh... About two weeks later, he shot his very first 300, and I remember it was with a black angle. That tells you how far back that goes. <laughs> and uh, a week later, he would happen to be in, we happened to be in Connecticut, and he sponsored a lot of players. And he came into the truck, and he gave me a special gift of a gold necklace with a, uh, a golden coin panda on it, and said, "Thank you so much. I still wear that today." I have never, I have never taken it off other than for a repair, which it broke once. But it's not only was it special for him, but just about six weeks later, he passed away. So it holds a very, very good fond memory of you know you did something nice for somebody, they showed it to you, and he took the time and reciprocated and brought me a very special gift. As I said, I still have it today, and I wear it today. Well, my answer to that, Tim, I mean, being in business all these years, we've received many thank yous, I'm sure, as Bill has. And uh, I mean, that's very rewarding and fulfilling right there when they come in with a smile on their face, shake your hand and thank you for the work you've done. Um, and all then along the way, lots of cases of Guinness, because everyone knows that's my drink of choice when when I do imbibe. But probably one of the more memorable gifts was a signed autograph picture from Joe Norris that I received from a former Team USA bowler. Bill may be uh, familiar with this girl. Her name is Lisa Vint. And, I'm uh, very well aware of her, yes. Yeah, and, and it, it touched my heart. I mean, it was a very th- a thoughtful gift. And, uh, and to have an autograph picture from the great Joe Norris, and he passed away just a few years later, 
Uh, I mean, it was just very touching. But uh, again, every day, Tim, is rewarding in the pro shop business because people come in to see you. I mean, they want to be there. You know, it's not like we're the dentist's office. <laughs> and and that's that's rewarding right there. Well, I... and. Thank you guys for both the great stories because I know that's you know you guys have you guys have a job and you both love what you're doing like you say it's uh, it's a place that us bowlers like to come in and, and even just hang out and kind of shoot the breeze and such so but it is still something keep in mind you know we always talk about giving our mailman a, a little gift and as a token of appreciation and the garbage man and you know what you guys deserve that as well because it's you guys have a, a very difficult job as we're talking and and a fun job but something still that takes some time so uh bill i want to thank you for joining us and and uh and doing what you do and joe as well you know like we said you've been been doing this for quite a number of years and if i had a, a dollar for everyone who said you know they they came up by you in milwaukee and just love what you're doing so thanks guys and keep doing what you're doing and well, thank, thank you, you for having those back on and, Bill, I'd like to wish you and your family a, a blessed and Merry Christmas. And the same to you and Tim. Uh, it's a great holiday season, and, uh, you know, I look forward to that day and spending, spending time with my family on a very special day.